0: Good morning. My name is Ben James. I am the pastor here at First Church of Christ. Thank you for joining us online this morning. We hope that you're doing well. We hope that you are uh, staying safe and enjoying uh, the weekend with your family and your loved ones. If you have your Bible this morning, turn to the book of Psalm, chapter uh, 67. We're going to be continuing in our Summer in the Psalms series this morning with looking at the 67th chapter of the book of Psalms. Now I want to take just a moment and kind of catch us up from where we have been. We're we're already over halfway through the summer, which just absolutely blows my mind if I'm being honest with you. But if you're just joining us for this series, what we've done is through the three months of summer, we are highlighting certain chapters out of the book of Psalms. Now, obviously, we can't do all 150 Psalms in three months. Uh, Math is not my strong suit, but I am decent enough with numbers to know that they don't match there with that, trying to fit 150 chapters in. But we're taking different themes in the book of Psalms, and we are highlighting chapters as we go along by signifying and pulling out a key word uh, in that particular passage. Now, there's There's different types of psalms that we can look at. Uh, There's psalms of prayer, there's psalms of lament, of thanksgiving, of praise, um, of recognition. And we're we're going through these and learning as we go just how applicable this book is for our life today. A couple quotes that we used in the first week of this series was uh, one from John Calvin that said that he wanted to call the psalms an anatomy of the soul because there's not an emotion in the entire human experience that can't be found here. Just like in a physical mirror we can see how we're doing on the outside, the Psalms reveal our inside to help us see if we're moving towards or away from God. Eugene Peterson says it this way, People look into the mirrors to see how they look. They look into the Psalms to find out who they are. A mirror is an excellent way to learn about our appearance. The Psalms are the biblical way to discover ourselves. A mirror shows us the shape of our nose and the curve of our chin, things we otherwise would know only through the reports of others. But the Psalms show us the shape of our souls and the curve of our sin, realities deep within us, hidden and obscured, for which we need focus and names. So the Psalms, all of them, help align our thoughts to the context of God's story and align our emotions to the desires of God's heart. So that's the approach that we've been taking this morning, and with these key words, you know, throughout the summer we looked in Psalm chapter one and we saw the word rooted, and we, we looked at that from the standpoint of blessed is the person who's rooted in the word of God. Psalm chapter two, which is what we covered the following week, was about God's reign, his authority, and how we were blessed if we were recognizing and placing ourselves under his reign and authority. We move then to Psalm chapter 8, which was a Psalm of David, which we talked about the word above, where he talks about the name above all names. Then we advanced ahead to chapter 16, where we talked about how he was the one who preserved us and that we were blessed whenever we put ourselves under his care. Then we went to Psalm chapter 23, one of the uh, you know, one of the most well-known passages in Scripture, and we looked at the word leads and how he leads us uh, into green pastures. He leads us beside still waters, and that even though we face difficult times, he's still leading us. And then last week, we did Psalm chapter 34, and we looked at the word redeem. And that was a look at how, uh, what type of characteristics that that chapter of Psalms Laid out for the life of someone who is redeemed. So today, in Psalm chapter sixty-seven, we are going to be looking and and keying in on a word of overflow, and uh, that's the the word from that is is blessed again here in this passage. But we're going to see that the theme of this is an overflow. Now, Psalm sixty-seven, we we can't attribute definite authorship to who wrote. The chapter, you know, Psalm 67. So um, we're just going to be referring to the author as the psalmist throughout this message this morning. And really, this is a psalm of thanksgiving. This is a psalm of recognition of who God is and moved from a place internally of thanksgiving to him. So let's go ahead, let's read this together, and it's, um, it's, it's a short psalm, and really we're going to pick up on the theme of this psalm really, really quickly as we get into it. But psalm chapter 67, starting with verse 1, God be merciful to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us, that your way may be known on earth, your, sh- your salvation among all nations." Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. O let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you shall judge the people righteously and govern the nations on the earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let the peoples praise you. Then the earth shall yield her increase. God, our own God, shall bless us. God shall bless us, and all the ends of the earth shall fear him. Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you for an opportunity once again to, uh, to read from your word, to learn from your word, to draw from it. And I just take a moment, uh, as I always do, to pray that you would do the work in our hearts that you want done. Open, open us up this morning and allow us to hear and receive and respond to your word. God, I pray for me right now as as we get ready to enter into this message that, God, that you would inspire me, that you would allow your Holy Spirit to speak through me, and it uh, be the words that you have inspired and that you have given, and not my words, because people do not need to hear another message from Ben, but they most definitely need to hear a message from you this morning. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. So here's the theme of today's message and this theme's a really really simple theme and we find it right out of the gates here in verse 1 where he says God be merciful to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. So basically the lesson here right out of the gates in verse 1 is we are blessed to be a blessings to others. So we're blessed to be a blessing. And now while on the surface, again, this is one of those things that you may look and go, yeah, I already knew that. I, I, I've heard that. I've seen that. I already know that. I would argue that even though that most of us do already know this, this may be one of the more challenging aspects and and challenging concepts for us to put into application in our lives because we're going to see that not only are we blessed by God, but we are blessed by God for a purpose, and that is to bless other people. And the scope, as we'll learn, is unlimited. It's not just that we are to be a blessing to our family, it's not that we're to be a blessing to our community or to our region only, those are very much true, but it's without scope, it's without limitations, it's without restrictions that we are to be a blessing To everyone, no matter location, no matter age, no matter generation, no matter gender, no matter ethnicity, no matter nationality, we are blessed to be a blessing. So I love this, how it starts out, God be merciful to us and bless us and cause his face to to shine upon us, because the psalmist is is hearkening back and echoing the high priestly uh, benediction that's recorded in Numbers chapter six, and really, when you boil this down, it's a cry for mercy. It's a it's a plea for God's mercy and. In this world, in this time where it doesn't seem like there's very much that unifies us at all, the one thing that will always provide grounds of unity for all mankind, for all of the human race, is this, that we stand in need. And we all stand in need for God to extend to us His mercy. So the request here that the psalmist is making in the very first verse is really threefold. We see him asking first, God, we need your grace. God, let your grace be upon us. Let your unmerited favor rest upon us. So he's asking for God's grace. Then he makes this, God, we need your blessing. God, just bless us. And we've talked about this a couple times already in this summer in the Psalms where it um, comes to mind Psalm chapter 1, Psalm chapter 2, and Psalm chapter 16 in particular, talking about blessed is the person who is, um, who's resting in His Word, who's rooted in His Word, who's underneath His reign, and who is being preserved by God. Blessed is that person. And this word blessed is actually holds an implication of bliss of an internal source of joy. So he's saying that, God, let your grace be upon me, but also let your joy make me full, make me blissful, make me um, complete in you, bless us. And then he uses this phrase to let your face shine upon us. That's asking for God's presence. That's having God's face to shine upon you in the Old Testament was a representation of his presence resting on an individual, on a family, or on a nation. And what makes God's blessing so unique, what makes his grace so unique, what makes uh, his presence so unique and his blessing so unique is that it goes beyond satisfying our felt needs. It actually is is satisfying to us on a soul level, and that means that it's not just about getting things from God. It's not just about being blessed by God with different things, but it actually means to be blessed because we have God himself. It satisfies us internally, not just externally, and the way that it satisfies us internally is that We receive God himself, not just the benefits of God. So verse 1 makes it really clear to us. It sets the stage and it lays this foundation that we need God's grace. We need God's blessing. We need him. And we need his presence in our lives. So when we move on from there, I want to read verse 1 and verse 2 again for us says, God be merciful to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. Now notice, there's a comma right there. And then it goes on to say, that your way may be known on earth, your salvation among all the nations. Now I'm going to read that together. I'm going to lump it together. God be merciful to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us, that your way may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations." Now I highlighted that comma in that passage because that's a really important sentence structure right there. It's really important that it's a comma there and not a period because I believe that I'll speak for me. I I, I won't uh, make this indictment against you. So I'll speak for myself on this one. If I'm writing this, if I'm the one who's authoring this, if I'm the one that's determining the sentence structure here, here's how verse one would look for me. May God be gracious to us. Period. May God bless us. Period. May His face shine upon us. Period. You see. Far too many of us want just the verse 1 version of Christianity because we want to be passive recipients of God's grace, which means that we're receiving God's grace, we're receiving His blessing, and we're receiving His presence just because. But there's no responsibility or there's no action steps involved for us. We like that verse 1 type of Christianity. But we need to make sure that we understand that verse 1 flows into verse 2. It's an incomplete thought without verse 2. Now, be mindful that when Scripture was written, it was not divided into chapters and verses. Sometimes we have an issue with whenever we see a break in in a letter or in a book and it breaks it into chapters, our mind compartmentalizes these, and we reset, and we think it's a completely new train of thought, when sometimes that isn't the case at all. And even in between scriptures, verse 1 to verse 2, we'll do that same thing. But know that verse 1 and verse 2 flow together. And I love it because this flowing together, this comma, these two things being attached, echo back to the original promise of God to Abraham and that's found in Genesis chapter 12 and I want to start reading in verse 1 and this is God talking to Abram it says now the Lord had said to Abram get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you I will make you a great nation I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing I will bless those who bless you And I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Notice something here out of this passage, that salvation to the nations and blessings to the nation was God's ultimate motivation in making Abraham's name great. He wasn't interested in making Abraham's name great because of how awesome Abraham was. Now, I'm not taking anything away from Abraham. He is a patriarch of the faith. He he was a man of God with great faith in God, and that was exemplified over and over again. But make no mistake about it, God did not bless Abraham just because Abraham was awesome. He blessed Abraham because he wanted nations to be blessed as a result of it. Through his blessing to Abraham, he wanted blessing and salvation to flow to the other nations and centuries after this the apostle paul writes and gives this verbiage that this promise to abraham was at the at least nothing less than the gospel when he writes in galatians chapter 3 starting in verse 7 therefore know that only those who are of f- faith are sons of abraham and the scripture foreseeing that god would justify the gentiles by faith Preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, In you all the nations shall be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. So, from Genesis to Psalms to Galatians to the New Testament to the end, we see this flowing of God's purpose that God blesses us so that His way, His purposes, that He may be known amongst the nations so connecting verse 1 and verse 2 in my life and connecting them in your life is essential to us plugging our lives into the purposes the plan and the flow of God's will so I'm going to give you a few verses here and some of you these are going to be really familiar verses of Scripture that you've heard over and over again several times but I want to make sure that we are understanding that from the beginning of this book To the end of this book, it's a flow of God's plan and his promise. In uh, John chapter 20, this is after uh, Jesus' resurrection, and he had appeared to his disciples, and he makes this statement to them, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. So you are saved, and you're saved to be sent. It's not just a process of you being saved. You're saved for a reason, and that's to be sent. Jesus said that. In Mark chapter 12, uh, Jesus being asked the question in responding of what is the greatest commandment, Jesus responds with this. The most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself there is no other commandment greater than these basically love god love others that's what you're called to do (laughs) love god with everything you have and then love others the way that you love yourself second corinthians starting in uh, chapter 5 verses verse 17 says therefore if anyone is in christ he is a new creation the old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Now, many of us, myself included, for years have loved the fact that we can stop right there because that's the end of verse 17. But if we stop there, then we are missing the complete flow in the context of this statement because he goes on to say in verse 18, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, indeed, when you come to Christ, you are a new creation. Old things pass away, and everything becomes new. That's great news, but it goes on from there. It doesn't stop there. He says once you have been reconciled by the blood of Jesus Christ, then you are to take this same message of reconciliation that you experienced to Christ, and you are to spread it to others. It doesn't stop there. With you Romans 10 14 how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed and how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard and how are they to hear without someone preaching and how are they to preach unless they are sent as it is written how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news this is the flow of the gospel story that he blesses us But it's not just for us. His blessings need to be in us, and His blessings need to flow through us. Hear me very clearly this morning, church. If you hear nothing else, hear this. Any gospel that tells you that God's blessing stops with you, ends with you, terminates with you, is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's just not. The gospel is not about our self-improvement solely. It's not exclusively about our religious affiliation. It's not about our social connectivity. It's not, it's not another additive to our life. It's not just something that comes into addition to our life to make our lives better. The gospel is, is that you and I start our journey dead in sin, completely and totally separated from a holy God and living in darkness in a deep need of rescue. It's about the God of the universe meeting us where we are and introducing light into our darkness through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, his broken body and his shed blood on the cross and offering us hope and breathing life into us when we were dead in our sins and trespasses and resurrecting us into new life and an eternal promise with him. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And... Make no mistake, this is not a gospel that brings God into your story. He brings you into his story. Now, while our testimony changes, while we do have a testimony that God is now part of our life, we're not that big. You, my friend, are not that big. God is not in your story now. You are in his because he has loved you so much that even in your darkest moment, he sent his son to die for you. So this morning, if you're hearing me and you think my past is too dark, I'm beyond reach, I'm, I'm, I'm a lost cause, I've done too much, I'm doing too much, I'm afraid that I will sin in the future, understand this, that God's reach of mercy is never too short to reach you no matter where you are. So don't let the enemy convince you any longer that you are beyond hope, that you are out of the reach of God because his mercy knows no limits. He knows no restrictions. Respond to his call on your heart today. That is the cry for mercy of Psalm 67. That is the reason that Jesus Christ came. I love how David Platt kind of sums all this up. He says, God's purpose is to be known among the nations. Let's expect then the blessing of God to follow the purpose of God. God's blessing is not payment for services rendered. It's power and joy for a mission accomplished. When we move toward the lost, we're not earning God's blessings. We're jumping into the river of God's blessings that is headed to the nations. When I hear this quote, when I read this this week, I thought of Ezekiel's River in Ezekiel chapter 47 and it talks about how there's something that starts in the temple, just kind of a trickle and that flows out from underneath the doors and it goes out the east gate of the city and that the further that it gets away from the temple, the bigger, the, the, the wider, the, the deeper, the, the more uh, swift the current is and it brings healing to whatever it touches and it goes into these places. And I just have to think to myself that, man, what are we missing when we stand on the banks of this river? What are we missing when we just decide to dip our toe or maybe dip our cup into the water of the river and not fully immerse ourselves into the river and the flow of God's purposes? First Church of Christ in Grayson, listen to me this morning. It's bigger than this church it's bigger than these pews. And I hope that if you've had the mentality and the mindset that it does not leave this place here with you when you leave, I hope that you're challenged in your heart this morning because God's blessing, God's salvation, God's purposes for you are far bigger than sitting in this place on a Sunday morning. It's far bigger than being a part of a service, whether it's a Sunday morning, Sunday night, whenever it's Far bigger than you. So if the gospel of Jesus Christ that you're embracing is only touching you and it's never reaching out and touching others, then maybe you need to reevaluate what gospel that you have accepted because the gospel of Jesus Christ will go far beyond us. And that's what we're called to do. Now, how important is that comma now? How important is that, that God, uh, bless me, keep me, let your face shine upon me. God, give me your grace, give me your mercy, give me your blessings, give me your presence. God puts a comma there because there's something that's required of us. And then in verse 3, we see this, kind of this, as I'm going to wrap up here, let the peoples praise you, O God, let the peoples praise you. And I I just, I love that. Let all the people praise you. And then he goes on to say, Oh, let the nations be glad and sing for joy. Notice that term there, okay? Let the peoples praise you. Let all peoples praise you. And then he goes on to say, And let the nations be glad and sing for joy. God doesn't want to just be known. I believe that God wants to be enjoyed. Because a God That you don't enjoy is not a God that you're going to share but a God that you truly enjoy and makes that impact and that difference on a soul level is something that you cannot keep to yourself you cannot hold that in so church this morning i believe that there is a very very big reason that we have seen acts chapter 1 verse 8 that command and i believe that's one that we need to embrace now more than ever that when the Holy Spirit comes upon you that you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Why? Because we're saved to be sent and the gospel of Jesus Christ is a blessing to us in salvation, but it's a blessing that we are to extend and to present and to witness and to just show people, this, is, this, is, this has made a difference in my life. And I am blessed, and I'm going to share that blessing. I'm going to witness to others. I'm going to excitedly tell others about what God has done in my life. Pray with me again, if you would. Father, I uh, thank you for this word. I thank you for the challenge in my heart And I pray that it's challenging other hearts as well. And God, uh, don't let it just rest with a challenge uh, that, that kind of convicts us on a certain level. But God, have us to understand that you have definitely been gracious to us, that you have indeed blessed us, and that your presence is all we need, but that we're not just passive bystanders, that we just receive this stuff and there's nothing that we need to do with it. God, you've told us to go. You've told us to love you, to love others, to go out, to spread the the news of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I pray that that starts today. And I pray that that starts in conversations that we have, that that opportunity of sharing the gospel, the love, the good news of Jesus Christ is ever right there on our lips, ready to be shared. Father, I love you. I thank you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Folks, this morning, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior, I urge you, if you're feeling that, that, that pulling on your heart and that conviction in your inner man, please respond to that. Uh, you can go to the web address that's being shown on the screen. If you have another prayer request, then please let us know. We would love to be praying with you. Guys, again, thank you so much for being a part of our service here this Sunday morning. We'll see you soon.